हेलो हेलो वेलकम बैक टू द फील गुड फैक्टर आई एम सुस्मिता विग्नोसोरस एंड आई एम सो ग्लैड यू कुड जॉइन मी हियर टुडे हाय एवरीवन टुडे आई हैव अ रियली रियली इंटरेस्टिंग पर्सन ऑन द शो डॉक्टर विद्या फ्रॉम पुणे विद्या इज एन एथिकल वीगन एंड एनिमल लवर but what makes her super super interesting is that she is a plant based ayurvedic doctor it's very very interesting because ayurveda is a really old ancient science it's a healing science but they also depend a lot on ghee and milk products for medicinal purposes it's very very rare to find somebody who practices ayurveda and also is a vegan especially an ethical vegan so the moment i found out uh, that vidya does this i was like oh my god i have to have her here on the show she has two kids she's a speaker she's a doctor she's many things let's get to know her hi vidya hi hi susmita it's such a wonderful evening today thanks for inviting me over here It's wonderful to know you and all that you do to make this world a better place to live. I I would love to answer all your questions that you may have regarding plant-based ayurveda. So let's start a little bit with your journey. Mm-hmm. How did you get into ayurveda and did you become vegan first then started practicing ayurveda was it the other way around? So let us know a bit about both the journeys and the overlapping factor. That's a wonderful question. Well, my journey started long back. I completed my Ayurveda in 2003 in Bangalore. Mm-hmm. I was a very enthusiastic Ayurvedic doctor and I wanted to practice pure Ayurveda and Panchakarma and I'm also a lover of the ancient texts of Vedas and Upanishads. I also learned Vedas uh, when I was just a teenager. Mm-hmm. That is what actually gave me the inspiration to do Ayurveda, you know, because Ayurveda is a part of Vedas. So this continued and uh, I was a very uh, good student. I got some gold medals, <laughs> not bragging, but <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoyed studying Ayurveda. Mm-hmm. And then I got married and then came to Pune. Then I wanted to pursue my MD, but you know somehow my journey changed to mba i did mba instead of md hmm. so then it landed me in it i shifted gears and i did my it for almost 10 years then i moved to us and in the us there was a video that i watched on facebook it was uh, madhavan's video and he was talking about how dairy is exploitative and he showed some slaughterhouse scenes so then that was the end of it and i said okay from today i'm going to go vegan wow so it was an overnight decision for you like that yeah yeah it was an overnight decision and you know to add to this once i went vegan i changed my daughter's eating habits and then i was pleasantly surprised to see that her asthma was gone miraculously hmm It was a magical moment for me. I'm like, oh my god, I'm I'm really destined to be a plant-based doctor. Mm-hmm. So then I quit IT completely, and since four years, I'm practicing plant-based Ayurveda. Even when I was in IT, I have had a clinic, and I was practicing in the evening and weekends. 
Were you doing this when you were in the US or did you come back to Pune and when did you start practicing it with the clinic and everything? I had a clinic all along for the last, now I can say, 15 years. In the US, I practiced uh, plant-based Ayurveda because I became a vegan in the US. Okay. It was a path-breaking journey for me over there. All the revelations that happened with nutrition, with functional medicine. I also studied functional medicine. Mm-hmm. I went much deeper into Ayurveda. It gave me a complete realization of how profound the science is. I got to learn more deeply and it's very satisfying because more than the medicines, I'm focusing on someone's diet and lifestyle. So it's very satisfying to see that people are able to reverse their diseases with the right diet. And I can say that plant-based diet is the most suitable diet for humans. And the body responds to plant-based diet and plant-based medicine that the diseases just get reversed within a month or so. Hmm. Simple lifestyle diseases, I mean. But there are other diseases that need some medical intervention. So whatever is reversible, you get them to reverse it through a plant-based diet. But if they can't reverse it, is that when you get into Ayurveda and functional medicine and stuff? Yes, you're right. Can you tell us a bit about what functional medicine is before you go on? Okay. See, functional medicine is a type of healing system Mm -hmm. which depends on the body as a center point of your treatment. So I can say that, you know, all these complementary systems of medicines like Ayurveda, homeopathy, Siddha, Yunani, naturopathy, any of those, Mm -hmm. those traditional systems are all a type of functional medical system because Our body itself is a factory that can produce its own medicines Mm. and it can heal itself. So we ourselves have a tremendous capacity to heal ourselves. That is the healing power that we have in our body. And this system of medicine actually tunes the body in such a way that the body heals itself. Ah, I do know that, yes, there are certain things where the Western medicine system might help, allopathy and stuff. But generally, they go from the point of view of uh, one size fits all. Okay, you have this disease, this is a medicine. Right. But what you're saying about functional medicine makes sense because it's tailored to a person's body type, what they're responding to and things like that. Especially, I am a big believer of just supporting your own body to heal itself. Absolutely. In fact, a lot of times people are in the way of the body healing itself, right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So you were saying that uh, your daughter, her asthma got healed. And this is not the first time I'm hearing this. Mm -hmm. People who switch to a healthy plant-based diet, a lot of people have reversed their illnesses, especially asthma. Because I do know that dairy in particular is directly related to phlegm production and it will directly go and affect your respiratory. That's the first place it affects, right? Apart from many other places. You were saying going on a plant-based diet helped reverse your daughter's disease. So before that, were you also trying Ayurvedic medicine on her to kind of keep things in check? Yeah, I was... I tell you, she developed asthma when we moved from Pune to Bangalore. Mm. So we always thought it is because of the Bangalore weather 
oh, it's because of the pollution, it's because of the pollen, it's because of the dust and so many things, you know. Yeah. And then she suffered with asthma right from the time she was a year old. And we have tried everything under the sun. I'll tell you, we tried nebulizing her, allopathic medicine, homeopathic medicine. And with Ayurveda, she found a little bit of relief. Mm. But, you know, a very small baby three-year-old or a four-year-old would get a lot of treats from her family. They would give a piece of chocolate or a biscuit or something. Yeah. They, it's <laughs> always something with dairy. It's yogurt. It is milk. It's milkshake. It's cheese. And I mean, the list is never ending. Mm. But we never, we never thought we have met so many doctors, I'll tell you. Mm. The best of all, well-known pediatrician, he even said that, oh, that's normal to get 12 infections a year. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he said it's okay for her to get 12 infections. So it starts with a sore throat and then it becomes a fever. And then uh, from fever, it becomes a cough. And then it becomes an allergic bronchitis. And Ayu. oh my God, it was such a vicious cycle. And I suffered as a mother. And it's... Uh, of course, I can imagine. Yeah. It would be so painful to see a young child I and know. all this happening, right? Like, I know. That's so sad. Yeah, so everything. To answer your question, I have tried everything and it would just get suppressed. But like I said, it would come back the next month. Yeah, that's because again, it's like working against the body. So all the medicines might help to heal or help to clear out the symptoms or even at the... So something like Ayurveda, it's not even symptoms. It goes down to the root level and tries to clear it out. Yeah. But then you're putting dairy into the body. So it's like just undoing all the good Absolutely. work. And how old was she when finally the asthma was gone? She was uh, four years old. Mm -hmm. So we moved to US when she was four. Okay. And there I could control her diet because before I used to stay with my extended family. <laughs> <laughs> it's harder. I know parents who want to bring up vegan kids, yes. whoever stays with the extended family, not everyone finds it easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then with removing the dairy from the diet, it was magical. And she was so mm. surprised. She was like, how is this possible? I'm not getting cough. I'm not getting fever. How is this possible? <laughs> That's a beautiful story. And it's so nice that without realizing it would help her health. For ethical reasons, you decided to just switch her diet, go vegan and everything. And then it turns out that as a bonus, yeah. ta-da, you know, good karma. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, Vidya... How did you resolve the two? So we know that Ayurveda does depend, maybe not very heavily, mm -hmm. but to a large extent, it does depend on ghee and maybe honey and other products as a part of medicinal use or even for uh, certain uh, daily systems. Like there are practices, right? Like the dincharyas where people do, they put ghee in the ears and yeah, yeah. there's so many things that are done as practices. So there is a lot of dependency on dairy and Especially this whole belief that ghee is like some magical substance. I know. I know that this was developed few thousand years ago, right? It was a system where it was very different back then in terms of even how much dairy they would have and what kind of sickness people would have and maybe also not having any other alternatives. So therefore, depending on the ghee and things like that, but things have changed a long way from there to here. So how did you resolve the two? Yeah, so once you're an ethical vegan, there's no way you will use any animal product. 
So then I started figuring out with my patients. So what I did was I started prescribing only the herbal medicines that don't have any dairy in it. And that itself worked for me. Like, you know, I didn't have to prescribe them Chavan Prash because I knew Chavan Prash is not vegan. Mm. And then most of the Vatis and Churnas and uh, Aswarishtas, all these are vegan anyways. Ah, okay. So it wasn't tough. And there are so many varieties of medicated oils and then the tablets and capsules, which are all vegan. So... I could pick and choose from those varieties and give it to my patients. So when it came to ghee, I would rather use castor oil for panchakarma. I used castor oil instead of ghee Mm -hmm. because there were some procedures where you had to use a fatty substance. Mm. Then I chose uh, castor oil, which works excellent for any cleansing treatment. And then instead of the dairy milk, I used uh, coconut milk. Okay. And that's a good alternative. And uh, coconut oil instead of ghee. All of these worked. So all these in the medicinal purpose you're talking about, right? Where you would use it. Yeah, Because yeah. I know how you said that there are plenty of medicines, herbal things, churnas and whatnot, which don't yeah. have dairy or which are vegan by default. Mm-hmm. But I have seen a lot of stuff being recommended where the doctors say, Drink it with a little bit of majige. Have this herb, but have it with buttermilk. Yeah. So for those kind of things, that's where you did the coconut milk and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, like you said, actually looking at the way he has been given importance in Ayurveda is because way back in the 200 BC to 800 BC, Mm. that is when Ayurveda started. So during those times, the dairy was extracted in a very, very sattvic way. So Ayurveda explains how to treat a cow and how she should grace, what kind of herb she should grace. She is usually out from dawn to dusk. So she is carefully going and picking the right herb and eating them. She is grazing mostly on fresh grass. So you know that is so sattvic. She was allowed to choose her partner. She had a baby naturally Mm. and her baby had the milk. And if she had an excess of that, people would store the milk. And of course, they did not have refrigerators. So they would uh, make curd and then curdle it and make ghee out of it. Mm. That was how they stored it because, you know, those days they did not have any oily substance with them. The only fatty product they can use in the food was ghee. Because extracting oils was a very uh, difficult process at that particular time. So that Mm. is why Ayurveda mentions ghee has one of the most important oleation, you know, for the body. Uh, Although they also mention about till oil, till oil being the best and coconut Mm. oil and all those. Because they believe that the oil is rich in fatty acids, which was required for their body. Because they used to walk thousands of kilometers every day without food and water. Hmm. The nature was very treacherous for them during those times. So it was okay to have some ghee and milk because it was all about survival. So what I understand, it breaks down to two things, the importance of ghee. One is because of its fat content, which oils can be used instead, except that they didn't have access to oils back then. And the second is because the cows knew what herbs to graze on. So it's the property of those herbs which have gone into the cow and then Mm -hmm. herbs good properties are in the ghee. That is the assumption, right? Yes. So for that, the resolution can be directly to consume the herbs. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. 
Plus, uh, as you know now, we don't get DHA from plant-based foods. So for some reason, they already figured out that ghee was one of the best ways to get some component which is life-saving. I see. But today, we don't have to worry about it because we have a bountiful of nuts and seeds mm. and uh, we have food 365 days we have a bountiful supply of food so those times it wasn't like that they had to hunt and get their food hunt in the sense they had to actually compete with the nature to fill up their stomach so that was very different so mm. we cannot compare the way they lived and the way we live right now we don't even require that much of calorie dense foods anymore I think that's very, very informative and you couldn't have explained it in more simpler terms about why people or why the obsession with ghee in Ayurveda versus what are all the things that are available now, mm-hmm. which can be used instead or some things which don't even, which can just be dropped like entirely, not even used. Now, this is you doing your research after you became an ethical vegan and you did your research and then you put it into your practice. But what about your peers? What happens with us vegans is even if we don't study nutrition or anything, we over time, (laughs) without really intending it, we kind of have quite a bit of knowledge about nutrition. And that's simply because people are asking you, where do you get this? Where do you get that? And then you have to look it up. So you kind of become knowledgeable about these things, right? So as vegans, as a doctor, then you would have done more so a lot more in-depth research on it. But when I talk to other people about the nutrition and the benefits of going plant-based, people at least agree with it. To a large extent, they're like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But people who completely believe in Ayurveda, practitioners or even people who practice it for themselves, whoever studied Ayurveda, they immediately are like, no, ghee is Amrita, ghee is (laughs) magical and you can't stay without it. So that pushback on the dairy. You know, the funniest part is, doesn't it say also in Ayurveda that apart from medicinal purposes, um, milk and all this should not be consumed at all to begin with? Yeah, absolutely. So up to that point, we all agree up to the point of, okay, milk is not good for you to have. So even Ayurvedic practitioners agree, but except when it comes to the medicine part, they're like, no, 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 we need ghee. Yeah, I know. So most of the times they cherry pick what they want to see and listen and hear to. So they're uh, pretty bookish. I don't know what I can say about it, but they all know that it is not sattvic anymore. Mm. And there are references in Ayurveda where it's clearly mentioned even in Charaka Samhita and Ashtanga that milk and milk products are mucus forming Hmm. and that it shouldn't be used by people whose body itself produces a lot of mucus. Like there are some prakriti, some body types which produce a lot of mucus. So Ayurveda very clearly mentions that you shouldn't be eating those kinds of food which produce mucus, which produce a lot of fat, which produces a lot of greasy material in your body. But what about for people who, like you were talking about the body type, so say somebody has a vata body, which means they are not producing enough mucus. Yeah, but you know, now it is very easy to make out that everybody has a more of kapha, they might have kapha prakriti, but they have kapha vikriti. Mm. Because of the lifestyle, you know, the lifestyle is kapha types now. I see. So you're saying physically the body is leaning towards kapha for most people because of their lifestyle. Yes, yes, yes. 
and also because of the amount of fats we are eating every day the quantity of food we are eating it actually doesn't suit and we don't have to eat ghee because you know that ghee now is adulterated and the ghee is not the pure ghee that was described in ayurveda but what about people who claim that they are getting organic ghee from kind farms and what about that then yeah so people say that i i have a cow in my backyard and uh, it's all ethical and but still this ghee is 90% fat so it really doesn't suit our body anymore because we don't need so much of dense calories we don't need so much fat it's pure fat and then it doesn't have any phytonutrients as we all know because we mm. need more phytonutrients at this stage of our lives when you eat ghee every day it increases your insulin resistance okay mm. which causes oxidative stress in your body and dr neil bernard has made a lot of news with intramyocellular lipid so if you've heard what happens the physiology that happens in every cell the fat gets accumulated at the cellular level because of which the insulin cells are not able to get into the muscle cell and give the glucose that it needs hmm. diabetes is caused because of the same reason and as we all know it's a pure fat it increases your body weight it's a big risk to develop heart diseases and strokes it increases the hdl cholesterol levels as well there was an article which said oh good fat is good oh so you know you can start eating fatty foods they're not bad it's it's all an industry talk it's not true hmm. fat is bad fat in any form is bad even vegetable fat is bad animal fat is bad what about in nuts and coconut and those kind of things the fat that is naturally occurring in nuts what about that well i can say nuts and seeds are also a source of fat but they are healthy source because it also has vitamins in them it also has phytonutrients and you're going to consume the whole thing hmm. i mean if you eat a nut you're getting the vitamins you're getting the fiber you get some carbohydrate you get some protein it's a whole food So when you say fats are bad you mean the purely extracted fats are bad if it's only fat that you're eating that's what's bad for you yeah. but if you have it in a whole form then it's not bad for you though of course i do know that depending on each person you may need to limit it yes. <laughs> to some extent like you know not sit and have a whole jar of almond butter or something like that right i know <laughs> so it's very clear about the eating portion of things mm-hmm. but what about people who are using ghee for medicinal purposes or for putting in your ears eyes all those things what is the reason they should switch to the alternatives that are available like what you were saying you know gingerly oil yeah. or uh, even um, castor oil and things like that what is the purpose like what is the motivation for them to switch from that still continue their ayurvedic practices because it is a really really good science and there are a lot of really amazing practices behind it so they continue it and switch to an alternative versus continuing the same practices with ghee what is the solution or what is the motivation for them to do it what i can say is that dairy is the number one cause for climate change it's not sustainable at all to promote ghee as something that will lubricate your ears or you know your panchakarma 
well it's a great product it's a processed animal fat which was used many many thousands of years ago and mentioned in ayurveda but ayurveda also tells us that you should change with a changing times change is the only constant that said let's switch to sustainable products i'll give you one very nice example there is a reference where uh, the tusks of an elephant it is called danta basma basma is you actually burn it and make it into a nanoparticle ash yeah like an ash yes it's a nanoparticle and it is used for medicinal purposes this elephant tusks were used as a treatment for hair loss okay mm-hmm. so then at a point in time they said we'll stop this we'll not do this because they are killing elephants and they are extracting those tusks ayurveda decided to completely stop manufacturing or procuring anything to do with coming from the elephants why because it's not sustainable mm. so in the same way it is not sustainable to have anything to do with dairy because we all know that dairy is the number one cause for the climate change the planet destruction the species are uh, getting extinct every day there is so much of pollution it's a number one cause for pollution as well the resources are all getting polluted because of the dairy farming so considering this i really appeal to people and ayurvedic doctors to look into this and even the the reason why this pandemic has happened is also because of factory farms an olympic size stadium size of forests are cut every day every day the amazon jungles are cut there is a deforestation that's happening at a massive scale because of the cattle farming mm. so we really can't afford to continue using ghee we cannot use anything to do with dairy or animal foods it's not sustainable we have alternatives we should switch to alternatives if the work can be done with oil let's do it hmm. you can make your own oil at home you know we can get the cold press and do it at home but can we make kilo of ghee at home no it is not possible vidya what about um, in your ayurvedic doctors community over the years from the time you turned vegan to now have you seen a change or a shift in the mindset with ayurvedic doctors also opening up to the idea of yeah we can accept that yeah you can do vegan alternatives you can do plant based alternatives instead either in terms of themselves switching the practice which i know it takes more time but at least to support if there is a vegan person who goes to them for a treatment to completely support them with plant based alternatives so how are things there like what kind of shifts are happening is it something to be hopeful for i have lot of hopes with the ayurvedic fraternity because they all are very compassionate people mm. so all i can have is hope and i can pray but at this point in time they believe what is said in the texts of ayurveda mm. but it's okay i think it will take some time for them to consider this and a lot of them if their patient is vegan some of them are like pretty considerate mm. but then it's very important to educate them about plant based diet and nutrition plant based ayurveda so i am actually planning to have some courses for doctors mm. so they know that there is something like this exists so it's all about creating awareness it's all about yeah. explaining to them that there is something like this happening in this world because a lot of them don't even know about it 
True, true. You know, it's important work what you're doing about spreading the awareness. That is very, very important work because whatever cause we get into for a higher good, we're doing this, you know, not just for ourselves, but to benefit the world on the whole. Yeah. There is always an initial pushback from people who are used to following certain customs, certain orthodox channels. Mm -hmm. There is a pushback and the only way is to educate and to create awareness and, you know, do it tirelessly. So when I turned vegan, Mm -hmm. again, it was unheard of back then. But then things have changed so much from then to now. Yes. And there are people who used to argue with me, who used to have mental blocks, who have turned vegan themselves. There is hope. And I'm really happy that you're creating these uh, courses. Do you have a website or somewhere where people can follow you and find out whenever these courses are announced? I do have a website. Mm -hmm. I haven't posted anything about the courses because I'm still working with some universities. It'll be up shortly. You can share the link to your website. I'll put it in the show notes. But for everyone who's listening, can you also just say what your website is? Yes, definitely. This company that I started after coming to US is Promotive Health and Nutrition. The reason I call this Promotive Health is because the healthcare system It's not disease management. It is about promoting your health by preventing diseases from happening in the first place. So, Promotive Health is a platform where doctors, healthcare professionals, nurses, nutritionists, chefs can actually all come together and educate and create awareness about plant-based nutrition and living. So, you can check out this website called www.promotivehealth.com. And there is a lot of information already about plant-based nutrition and Ayurveda. We'll have a lot more things coming about mind-body healing because 90% of the diseases are psychosomatic and it is all related to the mind. We have two minds, okay? (laughs) We have two brains in our body. One is in the head and the other one is in the gut. So that's what Ayurveda actually advocates a lot about gut health. And now we are talking about microbiome, but Mm. way back in 2000 BC, Ayurveda mentioned about gut health and its importance in maintaining a good immune system Mm -hmm. and also to maintain a very healthful living and happiness. So it's all about connection with the mind, body and soul. So that is what Ayurveda preaches and that's a wisdom That's another reason why even I have hope on Ayurvedic community, simply because it's a mind-body thing and we have to look at this from the karma perspective too. If something is coming from hurt, pain, cruelty, sadness, whatever it is, then what is the energy of that going to be in the final product? It's not going to be very, very conducive (laughs) for good health or or a happy mind in the long run. It can be where somebody is doing it in a minor form where they're like, okay, I'll only do this for medicine purposes or people who may be abusing and having a lot more dairy and cheese and stuff. But ultimately, it comes down to a large amount of bad, sad energy versus a tiny amount of the same negative energy. (laughs) I know we are actually a form of energy. So Ayurveda also mentions the energy is something that's so palpable Mm -hmm. around you. So we are made up of koshas. Kosha is actually the energy. Mm -hmm. We have all these circles of energy around us. These five koshas is something that we cannot see, but it is palpable. You can feel it. It is like 
a sheath mm-hmm. if someone has watched lucy it's a movie where she explains very well that we are all made up of energy we are all forms of energy ayurveda has already mentioned this so annamaya kosha is the physical body which is sustained with the food and water and pranamaya kosha is that sheath which is sustained by the life energy it's the air that we breathe and then we have something called vignanamaya kosha which is also something related to our energy fields about the kind of work we do and manomaya kosha is the psychic the power of the mind and anandamaya is the spiritual kosha we need all of these in order to be healthy it's not just the food it's not just the good food it's also about the happiness it's about the good deeds that we need to do we need to exercise the empathy the kindness and the compassion so scientifically speaking by doing this there is something called iga it's the immunoglobulin a that is produced in the body which actually you know it's a de-stressor it makes you feel good it's a feel good hormone so there are so many of these feel good hormones that are generated if you do good work if you're very happy you probably must have also felt when you hug or cuddle a dog or a cat or any animal if you're an animal lover it makes you feel so happy right it's actually that happiness in your mind which is caused by your touch your actions and your thoughts yeah so all these are actually that's a true beauty of ayurveda which is mentioned in the upanishads i have friends who are very die hard practitioners of ayurveda mm-hmm. some of them are probably like you where they are doctors but many of them practice just the practices mm-hmm. in their daily lives and these are compassionate loving kind people who are doing a lot to help others in the world and i hope that listening to everything that you had to say today would really inspire them to go even more in depth with how to help themselves how to help others in a kind or compassionate even more sustainable way than they are already doing yeah yeah i'm so glad i got to talk to you vidya thanks so much for making the time for uh, sharing your knowledge so generously for everyone i'm going to post vidya's uh, link to her website in the show notes and vidya where else can people connect with you social media and stuff you can connect with me on uh, instagram i go by the same name dr vidya and mm-hmm. also on facebook you can also write to me at drvidya@promotivehealth.com cool yeah if people have questions related to veganism and ayurveda or if they are looking to go to a practitioner to heal themselves or to overall just make their lives better then everyone definitely get in touch with dr vidya and i hope uh, this episode has been very very helpful to all of you <laughs> thanks vidya you're most welcome thanks so much for inviting me over it was wonderful talking with you and everybody <laughs> <laughs> bye bye take care if you enjoyed this episode of the feel good factor write to me at the feel good factor at veganosaurus.com or connect with me on instagram at veganosaurus v e g a n o s a u r u s subscribe to the feel good factor on your preferred podcasting app and if you have an iphone i'd really appreciate a review and rating on apple podcasts 
In case you don't have an iPhone, please leave me a review and rating on podchaser.com. You can find my podcast there by going to podchaser.com slash veganosaurus and you can rate and review not just the podcast but any episode that you like. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Feel Good Factor. I'm Susmita Veganosaurus and I'm looking forward to talking to you again very soon. Bye!